every day, a different person gets to start the day with their own music. So they get to choose the music, so they create the vibe. I tell you, when you take and you learn how to manipulate a vibe, then you can choose what type of day you'll have. And I choose to have an outstanding one every day. You are listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with my new buddy, Kelly Cardenas, who is a beauty industry icon. You have to hear why he says we all need to live by the 98-2 rule. Hey there, this is Patrice from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining Wealth. I am super excited about today's interview. Like, I was so blessed and getting goosebumps at the time of recording, so I had to move this interview up on the schedule because that's how badly I wanted to get it out there into the world. Kelly Cardenas is absolutely phenomenal. And if this is your first time listening, you are coming in on a treat. (laughs) This episode is definitely going to make you want to click subscribe. As a matter of fact, go ahead and just click subscribe now. But Kelly is amazing. I'm going to tell you why in a second, but I definitely also have to welcome back my loyal listeners. Thank you so much. The podcast is just growing incredibly. And thanks to you. Shout out to all of you who are sharing with your friends and your family members. I get the direct messages all the time where you're like, I made people listen in my salon. I made people listen in my boutique. And I'm just so appreciative of that. That lets me know that redefining wealth is a movement. Like this is a community that really understands that the pillars that we talk about are not just something cute to talk about. This is our life. This is a lifestyle. This is our way of being. And I can't do this alone. And I continue to just, man, show gratitude every time I can, because it means the world to me that so many of you get it, that you really understand that this journey to building wealth is not just about money and material possessions. It's about well-being. It's at the heart of it. It's about well-being and being fulfilled in every area of life. That's why people mismanage money. And the more fulfilled you can become in the area of the pillars, like your, your physical fitness, your mental fitness, like your space, you know, your faith, the people, the relationships you allow in your life, the more you can be fulfilled in those areas, the better. And so it really brings me great joy to be able to introduce you to more people who get it, who are super successful and live by these principles. And when I saw Kelly Cardenas speak several months ago, I made up in my mind he was going to be my friend. Like in my head, he was already my BFF. I saw him speak for a brief period of time at an event that I was speaking at too. And he blew me away. And when he walked by me, I felt that like that spirit. You know, sometimes people just have such a great energy that you're like, what is that? I felt that the first time that I met him and I knew that I was eventually going to get him. And since then, we've seen each other a few times and it's always love. And so here we are today. Like I said, I had to move him up on the schedule because I need you to hear this episode. I need you to take it all in. And I just need you to really apply what it is Kelly talks about. Kelly Cardenas is an industry icon and national educator for John Paul Mitchell Systems. He attributes the success of his five namesake salons located in Chicago, Carlsbad, Salt Lake City, and two in Las Vegas to the team that has been constructed around him. Kelly Cardenas Salon has become the industry standard for service, consistency, and up-to-the-minute technique. Their concept of integrity-based success has conditioned the team to reach exponential heights as a salon, as well as individual beauty professionals. In his recent adventure, Kelly wrote his first book, a book I read, The Six Indicators of Business and Life. And it serves as a roadmap to guide individuals through the necessary tools to evaluate and measure the character and integrity needed to drive the bottom line and excel in personal relationships. Without further ado, here's my boy, Kelly Cardenas. (laughs) 
Welcome to the Redefining Wealth Podcast, Kelly. Welcome to you. (laughs) You're so silly. Kelly, I have been looking forward to this interview. I have been looking so forward to this. First of all, you probably remember the first time that I got a chance to actually see you speak and take the stage was at the Paul Mitchell Leadership Summit. And you weren't even up there for a long time. But man, talk about you killed it. I think it was maybe 10 minutes. I don't know. But you came on stage, lit the stage on fire and just dropped the mic. And I was like, who is this guy with this hair and this little beard? And like, who is this man? You were just so on fire. And I didn't think you can top that. But then I came down to Anaheim uh, to caper. I'm not even sure. What does caper stand for? Do you know? Um, you know, it was the great Muppet caper. Do you remember that with the, uh, with the Muppets? No. And, well, there's a movie called The Great Muppet Caper. The Muppets ran out and did this crazy adventure. A caper is an adventure. And that's what Wynn called going to a hair show. So he took all the people from the Paul Mitchell School, the first one, or Von Curtis Academy, and he took them to a hair show in Long Beach. And they all drove in a van. And he said it was like an adventure getaway. And he called it like the, the big Great Muppet Caper because that was popular at the time. And then it just became Caper. And then it just moved on from there. Oh, wow. Thank you for breaking down that history because what's an acronym for that? What does this mean? And I keep forgetting to ask people. Well, when I saw you at Caper, that was such an adventure, such a magical moment. And you killed it. And I took notes and I have pictures and video. I was listening to the video the other day preparing for the interview. And my husband was like, who is that? I'm like, right? This guy is amazing. And so I have been looking forward to this opportunity. And so I want to start with that. You know, I saw you speak at Caper and you showed us this text message from your dad. And a part of that text message said 98% attitude, 2% aptitude. And I want to know, what does that mean to you? And how have you incorporated that little philosophy into your life? Well, I think the biggest thing is, is that uh, I grew up with two older brothers, one that was probably one of the biggest sweethearts in the town. Everybody loved him. And then my second brother, who was the closest to me, three years older than me, he was the guy. Patrice, you probably had that guy in high school that every lady wanted to date. He was the quarterback. He was the, the point guard. He was the he was just the guy. He would get pulled over in our town and the cops would let him go because they wanted our home team to win that weekend. Uh, I mean, he was that guy. So I was raised around that guy and I wasn't that talented at sports. And what my parents always told me, my dad always told me was that he was okay with me being exactly who I was. And he told me one time and this, but hear this whole thing. I hope you don't sound bite me on this. He said that I was one of the dumbest people he's ever met in his life. And I was like, whoa, pop, like I thought you were supposed to be motivating me. He said, you're just dumb enough to believe that it's possible. And he said that we need more dumb people in this world because we have too many people that put on their smart pants and they pass up on the wisdom that God could give them because God said that he'll choose the the simple to confound the wise. And so he told me that throughout my life, I've been the exact uh, example of 98 to 98% attitude, 2% aptitude. And, you know, some people say, well, you know, again, that's a negative. To me, it's not a negative because I've never relied on my education. I've always relied on what God gave me at the particular time to succeed. Oh, I love that. I love that. You know, and I say that all the time. I was just speaking this past week and I was sharing with the audience that so many of us get caught up in our degrees and our certifications. And we think that education um, and knowledge is everything. Right. But so many people have knowledge and not wisdom. They don't even know what to do with the information. And I'd rather know what to do than have all this information and do nothing. I totally agree with that. It's not it's not just aptitude. I always say there's a lot of smart, broke people. <laughs> there's a lot of very smart, broke. I mean, multiple degrees, no money. And I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I'd rather have the attitude that I'm I'm just dumb enough to believe that I can go make something happen and just have that type of attitude. I'm with it. Absolutely. Well, my pop always said, my pop would uh, use examples from the Bible too. I mean, like a Moses, Moses couldn't speak and he was just dumb enough to believe that God could give him someone to speak. He brought him Aaron. And with all these people, and I tell you, the person that you should interview is my pop. My pop uh, was 
25 years in his business, which is power plant construction. He sat down in the office with this kid that comes right out of school. He's probably about 35 years old. The, the kid is, that's what he calls the kid. So guy sits down across from him and sits down in his big chair and he calls my dad in and asks my dad, how many languages do you speak? And my dad looked back and sat back in his chair and he said, uh, I looked at the ceiling. He said, probably 65, 70. And the guy got really intimidated. He leaned forward and he's like, what languages do you speak? And my dad said, I speak blue collar. I speak white collar. I speak broke people. I speak wealthy. Uh, you want me to continue? And <laughs> I, I mean, that dude, my, my pop is on another level. So. I love that. I love that. I can't wait to actually meet him. So, okay. In your book, the six indicators for business and life, you tell this really great story about when you almost missed a flight from Vegas to Minneapolis. I love it. I was kind of reading this as I was reading it and just kind of imagining, you know, you going through the airport because as someone who travels a lot, mm. <laughs> I totally connected with that story. Um, but this, this in particular, it was a day that you kind of had a jacked up attitude. Bad. I mean, probably one of the worst ones that I had had. I mean, uh, Patrice, have you gone to the airport and got there and you were too late? And I mean, I know that you're a humble woman, but as you start to get used to traveling, probably you know some people at the airport. You could maybe get through a line a little quicker. And I had that hubris, right? You know, that because I thought I was going to succeed because I had succeeded before and getting through the lines. And I got there to the airport a little bit too late, or actually real late, probably 10 minutes before I was supposed to check in. Huge line, get to the front, and that lady does that same thing. She's rapid typing and says, there's nothing for you. And I said, well, and I just got, I mean, I lost my religion. You know what I mean? I, I set Jesus to the side at that time and said, I can handle this one. I got really angry. And she then said, told me that there's only one seat. She found it. Uh, but the one seat was first class and I had to pay full price, no uh, advance notice on the first class ticket. And it was over uh, $1,100. And I called my pop and I thought my pop was going to tell me, you know, look, you tried your best. Everything's good. Go ahead and just move on. But he asked me one question and he said, did you commit to it? Did you commit to showing up in Michigan where you're flying to? And I said, yes. And he said, then get on the plane, buy the ticket, have a great day. And I put on the headphone, I put on my Beats headphones because I thought that's when people don't talk to you, right? Because that's why we wear big headphones. Those of you who wear those little earbuds, you're, you're asking for conversation when you don't want conversation. You know what I'm saying, Patrice, right? So <laughs> when you no, put on- no. I put my AirPods in and I just scoop my hair behind my ear. Like, okay. look, you're clearly, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm telling you, you put Beats on, ain't nobody trying to come near you. I think that's why Dr. Dre did it. So, but I tell you, I was walking through the airport. I was stomping. I was mad at everything. You know how you get, like, you know, just- not being the nicest person. I get there and I'm, but I'm in first class. So I get to go through reg, uh, security on a different level, but I'm not enjoying it. Right. So I get there, I sit down in first class and I, I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up flying first class. So when you sit in first class, it's this weird thing. When you haven't, you actually judge people as they walk by. You know what I'm saying? Like when I, when I sat down, cause I had never really sat there before, maybe once or twice in my life, as people were walking by and they were going to sit down, I wanted to check their ticket. I was like, Oh, are you supposed to be here? Are you supposed to be here? And I kept, as people were walking back, I kept like looking at them and be like, don't look at me. I don't want to get that coach on me right now. You know what I mean? Keep, keep moving towards the back, having this attitude. Right. And so I sit down and I, slam down in my seat. I'm just mad as could be. And this guy next to me reaches over and takes my Beats headphone off my ear. You can imagine, like, I'm not a fighter, you know, cause I'll get knocked out, but I mean, I'll talk about it big. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Devo, like, uh, uh, when he comes around, I won't be talking, but, but, but when he leave, I'll be talking again. And he took that earphone off my head. And I was like, this guy's about to get punched in the throat. <laughs> and, he asked me, how are you doing? And I wanted to unload. And then he just started. He was a positive dude. He kept asking me questions and he kept asking me positive questions, positive leading questions. And one of the biggest things that he asked me, Patrice, was he said, have you ever wanted anything that you didn't get? And I was like, yeah, have you ever had someone ask you a question and you already know the answer and you're pissed. So you just want to, oh. and so I was like, yes, I want a house on the hill. I want a Lamborghini. I want, blah, 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 blah. and I started listing them all off. And then he just looked at me and he just, and he's like, are you done? And I said, no, I got a couple more things. I told him all the things. And then he looked at me and he's like, if you've ever wanted something in your life and you didn't get it, it means that you truly didn't want it. 
Mm. Because you will buy what you need, but you will kill for what you want. Ooh. Wait, wait, wait. You will buy what you need, but you will kill for what you want. And you think about that, right? I mean, you're a woman that is very beautiful. Your hair looks amazing. It always does. And I want to compliment you on that, Patrice, because every time I see you, it's on another level. But I'm saying, like, do you need that or do you want that? You want that. And you're willing to sit for as long as it takes to make sure that it's in place. There's things that we need in our life, which is some food, right? We're willing to buy it. But when we want something, we will kill for what we want. And that's what I, uh, at that point, I realized that in my life, I've got to become a want in every person's life that I enter as opposed to a need. Wow. So how does that translate into how you do business and just how you do life? For me, I'm in a business. I, I mean, I started off cutting hair, right? I've got into the, you know, I wrote the book and this transition within my career is, you know, on the speaking circuit and things like that. But every single thing that I've ever done in life is, it's not like you need to get your haircut, mm-hmm. right? Now, needing to get your haircut is going down the street for $9 and getting your hair shaped up or buying a pair of clippers by yourself like my dad did for the dog and trying to cut our own dog because he said we could do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. But I've always had to create a situation where I create such an experience, whether it be in the salon or on the stage, that a person wants to have me and then they're willing to do whatever it takes to be able to get me in that place. What that translates to is that my kids get to live a life that I didn't get a chance to be able to to have when I was a kid. And my dad told me this, it was like a relay race. He's going to run it as hard and as as long as he can. And when his time's up, he's going to pass the baton and I've got to run the next leg of the race. And then I got to pass it to my kids. Wow. I love that. I love that. You know, another thing that you mentioned in the book about your conversation with Chris, I believe it is, who said yes. It got to this point where he told you about someone who had come into his office, a young man, I think, and they had this conversation. It was the same thing. Like he asked him what he wanted. And the point of it all that I got from it was this quote, people think that money will save them. In reality, there's always a reason why behind that desire. And when you focus on the why, the what will inevitably be yours. Boom. Boom, right? And <laughs> part of your conversation with him is, was basically him asking you like the, the why, right? Like, so you listed all those things and then he busted your head open <laughs> yeah. with the need versus want. But then it appears that you guys had a conversation about the why too. It was so incredible because, I mean, it's right in line. I watch what you do and how much magic you have with your pillars. I mean, the fit, people, space, faith, work, and money, right? So you're not looking at, like if a person comes to you and says, you know, Patrice, I want to make more money. You're not saying, okay, well, you need to work 10 more hours or you need to charge more for your service. You're saying if your pillars aren't in line, even if you get that money, you're not going to be able to sustain it. And when Chris, there were so many areas that shocked me with this experience with Chris. Number one, Patrice, I don't even remember the hair show and the job that I had that day that I paid $1,100 one way for that ticket. I don't even remember that show. But you know what I do remember? The relationship I have with Chris that's still lasting to this day. And when he said to me, he said, the guy asked for $150,000, right? And Chris wrote out a check for 150000 Now, there was a couple of components to this. The number one was this guy was at a level that he could write out a $150,000 check to a guy that, who simply said, I want it. I mean, that's, that's baller, right? And then he held on to it. And as the guy grabbed it, he, Chris pulled it back a little bit and said, what are you going to do with this? The guy said, I'm going to buy, uh, pay off my mom's house. I'm going to buy a boat. And then Chris took the check back and said, focus on those things. The money will be there no matter what. And it just blew my mind because exactly what you talk about in your pillars. And when I've heard you speak, you speak about why are you doing it? Like when you're talking about redefining wealth, when you're talking about the things that you're helping people to do in all my experience, and you could probably elaborate on this in all my experience, I've never met anyone that money was their why there's always something behind it. Right. Right. To that extent, it's also never the reason people mismanage money. The mismanagement piece, people think, oh, I don't know how to budget. Oh, I don't know anything about credit. Oh, it's like, that's not your problem. (laughs) Like your problem is you don't, you don't have a bigger why that you're committed to. Right. And like, there's other areas of your life where you're unfulfilled. And so you don't know how to fill that void 
but with mismanaging the finances that you do have and then saying, oh, I don't have any money. Like it's just a vicious cycle, but it really doesn't have anything to do with the money per se, as much as the the lack of fulfillment and not having that big why. So how can we get your voice? Because just what you said right there would probably solve 90% of America's challenges. <laughs> so how can we get... You know, I'm out here trying to, trying to make my rounds and get around America. Hey, we don't need to make the, we need to have you, we need to have you in every school. You know, the number one reason why kids quit my company? Why? Financial. Yeah. And it's not because they don't make enough money. It's because the mismanagement of funds, but now you just broke it down, blew my mind right there saying that it's not the mismanagement of funds. It's their lack of clear reason why in what they're doing. Yeah. Because if you feel, if you really have a why, which really equates to having a purpose, right? Like when you have that really strong why connects to your purpose and your purpose is what sets your priorities. So if you can put your priorities in order, you always have money for the things that you really want. Like, and, and yeah, back to what Chris told you, it's the want, right? Like me, you're going to figure it out. But like the want, you'll always find a way. For me personally, one of the things that I've wanted to do for probably 10 years, I've always thought about being able to make sure that my mom is straight when she retires. And I started thinking about that when I was like 25, 26. I was like, dang, when my mom retires, when that time comes, will I be ready? And I've lost money since then, Kelly. Uh-huh. And, and then literally been down to nothing, the scraping of change, and then totally restored and then moved back from Atlanta back to Cali. And then the deal of a lifetime literally came across, <laughs> like just came into our laps. And I was able to buy a place, totally gut it out, rehab the entire thing and move my mom in there, completely furnished, everything brand new. And my mom is in there now, what, six or seven months later. And I didn't, I didn't know the how. So when I said that this is something that I want to do and I, and like, I am committed to doing this, not interested. Some people say things and they have goals. They say their goals, but they're interested. And I've been telling my audience that you have to be committed, not interested, committed. And even when you don't know the how, I didn't know all the ups and downs that my life would go through over the next 10 years, but I was committed to that vision. And I learned to detach from how I got there. And that I think is a lot of what we're talking about, right? Like people get caught up in wanting to know the how, and then they take their eyes off of the the why, like just know why and what you want to do. You can't control every piece of the how. That's so true. That's so true. We can't. So, okay, let's switch lanes a little bit. I want to talk about your indicators. One of my favorite indicators is the second indicator, which is vibe. And I love vibe because it connects to one of our pillars, which is space. And I'm really big on like your energy and the environment that you create for yourself. And I want you to break down why you made vibe an indicator for success in life and business. Well, for me, one of the the quotes that, you know, that you hear all the time is that, you know, people will forget what you said, they'll forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel with Jemaya Angelou. That kind of situation. But for me, I grew up in the breakdancing era. Like you're, you're a little young, Patrice. I don't know if you grew up in that time. You were talking about earlier when we were talking before we started recording that you were old school. I don't know how old school you are, but I mean, you're still young, but I'm saying like, I grew up in the, in the breakdancing era and it, there there was this edge and I was even, I was a breakdancer when I was growing up and being a white breakdancer. I mean, I'm half Mexican, but when people look at me, they would be like, oh, this white boy is trying to get on the floor. (laughs) This, this really shaped a lot of how it went because how you set that vibe, like how you did your, like your up rock, right? That's what we called when you were up top and you were dancing before you went to the floor work and your, your up rock set the vibe for the whole competition. And I remember, you know, people would look and, you know, you had breakdancing names, which I'm going to let mine out. Uh, maybe you can't tell, maybe you could cut this part out, but uh, don't tell your audience. It was baby fresh. Um, <laughs> so, you know. You know, I'm not going to let you live that down, right? I know. I know my brother doesn't either. But I figure like, uh, remember Eminem on 8 Mile? He spoke about all the things that were jacked up about his life. And then nobody could rap battle him and say that anything derogatory against him. So, uh, so Baby Fresh, when I would come on the scene, they would first see this white dude. And then like right when the music would hit, up rock would happen. And then I could hit like my floor work was 
on point at the time. Granted, at this time, there was only like four moves in breakdancing. You know what I'm saying? Like, so if you could windmill, you would just, na- you would, you know, tear somebody up. And it set the vibe for things. Like it, it set the vibe on how someone was going to, uh, you know, was going to take you. And then what I started to notice was in our places, right? You know, in our salons, in a salon, a lot of times it wasn't about what you said. It was the timing in which you said it, or maybe changing a word and changing a result. And I learned this with one of the girls that worked with me early on. She only had one vibe. She just had wanted to have fun all the time, no matter what. It was just all fun. And there was people in the, the company that wanted to be efficient. There are some people that wanted to be more productive that day, but all she wanted to do was fun. Mm-hmm. And so what I found is when you, anytime you try and create a, one exclusive vibe, you can run the risk of alienating a huge percentage of your crew. So the vibe, as opposed to what most people find, what I find is most people, they manage the vibe. Like I say, how was your day? Oh, it was good because of X, 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 as opposed to saying, I'm going to make it good because I'm going to manipulate it by doing X, 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 X. Like today I've manipulated my vibe. I rode my bike 10 miles this morning. I took a cold shower before I talked to you. I ate a, a honey crisp apple and I had a little bit of green juice. Now that's my vibe manipulator to make sure that I've got the type of energy that I need. And so what I find is in an organization, in a relationship, you can use little vibe manipulators to create what if you want to like, if you're a man, right, Patrice, if your husband wants a loving vibe for the day, well, guess what? He could use a manipulator, wake you up, tell you, like I told my wife this morning, your beauty, your hotness never gets old. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't from a, me doing a certain, I guess you would say, a requirement. It was from me. That was from my heart. Like my wife is super hot. You said it yourself when you text me. You were like, you married up. And uh, that's a sideways compliment, Patrice, but thank you. Um, That for me is that the vibe of the environment, what we do is we have vibe manipulators every day in our company. So every day, a different person gets to start the day with their own music, right? So they get to choose the music. So they create the vibe. And I tell you, when you take and you learn how to manipulate a vibe, then you could choose what type of day you'll have. And I choose to have an outstanding one every day. I love it. I love this, the vibe manipulator. I really, really like that because I also believe that you get to choose the energy that you want in your environment. Like you get to set the tone. And I I actually did a video on YouTube. I'll link to it in the show notes um, about how I set the tone and set shift the energy. You know, sometimes you have to also shift the vibe. If someone else has come into a space and kind of dropped off their funky vibes or, you know, not quite so good energy, I have a whole process that I do. And even when I sit down to write, I rarely write without lighting candles. Wow. Sometimes I'll dim the lights, write the can like light my candles. I have a whole process. I need my room to smell a certain way. I need everything to be just where I need it. But I really believe in that too. I've never called it vibe manipulation, but I like that. I really do. So when you set the vibe that way, how do you deal with people who try to bring in an energy contrary to the vibe you're trying to have? Like, how do you get past that? I think that uh, my wife, uh, Brooklyn Cardenas, is probably one of the, number one, she's the hottest woman I've ever met. Number two, she's one of the wisest women. And she's got more love inside of her than I've ever seen. Like, she taught me what true love was. Um, but she, for her, like, she has a, a thing that's called stick with the plan and go with the flow. And I want to tell you when you, I'm going to regress right back to when you first introduced me and you said that I was on stage at the first time you saw me. Yeah. Patrice, you know that, that that was three and a half minutes that I had on stage. No. So, yes, that was three and a half minutes. And the reason why is because we had 10 minutes. And me and a guy named Steven, who we do a thing called Dollar Camp, which is an awesome thing. And we have uh, a uh, virtual coaching program called Success Blueprint for Hairdressers. But he had told me, he said, look, you're the talker. You're the guy and whatever. And he said, so we're going to go up. We got 10 minutes together. And I'm going to take about two minutes and then you have eight minutes. And I was like, good. So we go up and I'm thinking I got eight minutes. I got eight minutes is still, you know, not that much, but I got to go strong. And then dude kept talking and kept talking and kept talking. And he went for six and a half minutes. Now at that point I had a choice. 
I could have got pissed off and said, hey, you took six and a half minutes. What do I got with three and a half minutes? Or I could look at the fact that God gave me three and a half minutes. But I also had prayed that before that God would prepare that audience, that he would prepare my voice and that only his words would come forth. And you know what? God can do in three and a half minutes what man can't do in a thousand years. Man, you are blowing my mind now. No disrespect to the gentleman, but I don't remember him. I don't even remember you coming up there with someone or whoever came before you. Like, I only remember you. And I knew that it was quick yet impactful. And I remember um, Lisa Nichols was my speaking coach a couple of years ago or several years ago now. But I remember Lisa would say, if you have value and you bring impact, you don't need an hour. Like, you don't need an hour. It takes some speakers an hour, an hour and a half to convey one message that someone who is truly called can do in minutes. And that is what you did that day. I was blown away. I was staring at you when you came to the back. I don't know. I was like in awe. (laughs) That that thing from my phone case that my daughter stole from me now, but you get, I'll get you another one. Yeah. (laughs) You gave me the thing from my phone case and I was just blown away. I was looking at you like, who is this man? Not to mention when you came back there, you could still like feel the anointing. You know what I'm saying? Like some people walk with such, um, just such a presence and just this great energy around you. And I was like, dude, he's my friend. He don't even know it yet. He's going to be my friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I tell you in 1997, Patrice, uh, God gave me uh, Romans 9:17, which told me that uh, God put Pharaoh in this place that when he spoke, then people would listen. And when they listened, they would hear his voice. And what he translated to me is he was going to put me in a place that when I spoke, then people had to listen, but they wouldn't hear my voice. They'd hear God's voice. And then he followed it up with the verse in Acts about King Herod Agrippa. When King Herod Agrippa walked out and people said, that's not the voice of a man, that's a voice of a God. And King Herod Agrippa didn't say anything, but it felt good in his heart. And God struck him dead at that point. And he showed me that verse right after he showed me Ryan 917. And he told me that he's going to put me in a place that where I spoke, then people had to listen. When they listened, they'd hear his voice. But if I ever got to the point where I thought that it was my voice that they were hearing and not God's, then he would take every single gift away from me. And so I've been, I've had a reverence in that place. And so that word that you got that day was, 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 was anointed, like you said. And I tell you, I want to make sure that I get out of the way, but I tell you, I have never felt like I've never, uh, Patrice, I don't know if you know this about me. I've never done. I've never drank any alcohol in my whole entire life, never had any drugs, never had anything like that. But I tell you, being able to speak to people and speak to the world, and he's revealed to me and he's let me know, we went to um, Chicago, we got to see JT and Jay-Z, we were in the second row center to be able to see them at Soldier Field, 70,000 people, and I turned around, and as I turned around, God said to me, like, this is what you're going to be speaking to. Mm. And I questioned him at the time. I was like, how's a, you know, at the time I hadn't written my book or anything like that. And I was thinking, how's a hairdresser? Is this going to be a hair show? But he showed me that at that time, he told me that was going to be my reality. And sometimes it's hard to understand because 917 came to me in 1997 when I lived in San Diego. And he told me he would bring people from all over the world. Well, little did I know Two and a half years later, he would put me in Vegas at the Mandalay Bay where people were coming from all around the world to get their hair done. And I was going to be able to speak, but he was making sure that I reverenced that it was only his words. Yeah. You preaching, Kelly. You are preaching. (laughs) I love it. It's funny. Um, I have seen, and, and you might identify with this, and I've never said this publicly. I've only said it to people who are really close to me, but now cats off the back. I have seen videos of myself speaking at places and I tell people I can see when the switch happens and it's not me because people will tell me, and I don't know if you identify with this or not, but people will tell me that I said something that was just for them, or I used an example I've never used in my life, but I pray before every time I speak that God prepares their heart and just take me out the way and use whatever you need to do to talk to your people, whatever you say. I'm just a vessel. Like I'm just here. And when people say, you know, when you said X, Y, and Z, and I have no memory of it. Like, I just, I don't remember, like I vaguely remember if they say it close enough, you know, to when it happened, but it's not anything that was in a prepared speech or something. It just comes out based on whatever God needs to use in that moment. But when I see videos, I can see when it's not me anymore. 
don't know if that makes sense. But you know, like I can I can see almost the shift in my face when the Holy Spirit just kind of takes over and I'm just going because I'm in my flesh usually very nervous. And and you know, every time I get on the stage, TV, you know, speaking, whatever, that my stomach is churning, like knees knocking, sweating, like I I'm naturally nervous. I'm not like a one of these people who are like, oh, I speak effortlessly. Like it may seem like that once I'm up there because it's not me. <laughs> but right Absolutely. before that's not the case. And um I can see in videos when it's no longer me. I'd like it's not my it's not my flesh. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think that that's a uh, an incredible incredible thing to to have happen. And one guy told me his name was Butch. I worked with this kid and I came off stage one time and he said, um, you blacked out. And I'm sure that's what you're talking about. Am I correct? You almost black out and you don't understand and know. And I think that that's so incredible. That's why you're so powerful. I mean, that's why everyone in the world needs to hear about Patrice Washington. Seriously. I mean, you interview all these great people, which I think is awesome. And But I think the world needs to hear your message because your message is so, so valuable on so many levels, not just the the wealth side of it, but to be able to help people uh, along in their journey, which I think is incredible. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Well, we're going to take over the world together. Don't worry. We'll, we'll definitely, I'm sure, be on something together at some point. I talk a lot about surrendering on the podcast. Even what we just kind of shared is that before we speak, we both kind of surrender, right? There's no personal agenda except for I, for me, God be glorified, you know, and whatever the people need to hear, God, you do that. And I have this note card in my closet. <laughs> Kelly, I have like an altar set up in my closet. That's what I'm <laughs> every day. I have a whole shelf that's just like my stuff, you know, and um, I look at it every day and it's just a note card that says, Dear Patrice, surrender. Thanks, God. I wrote it just as I imagined him saying it to me every day. I don't need your help. Thanks. Just surrender. I got this. And so I loved when you were on the stage at Caper and you talked about people being arrested. It was just like one of those moments where, okay, so I've never been arrested. The process and people, it's funny, like a couple of the girls behind me were like, mm-hmm, that is what they do. I was like, okay, well, what's going on here? <laughs> but you, you got to the point where you were talking about, and I don't want to ruin it because I think everyone needs to see you do this talk. I don't know if that's a talk that you do all over the country, but I hope you guys will follow Kelly in social media and get a chance to hear a piece of this talk. It was brilliant. And you talked about hands behind your back um, and then basically like relinquishing your rights. Can you kind of just break that down and how it ties into surrendering? Because that's a big theme for us under the faith pillar. Well, under the faith pillar, it was great because I, well, my pops, I'll bring my pops right back into this. Him and I were at church. We had uh, brought our whole team together. We're doing a, a assistant boot camp. We bring them all to camp at the beach. They learn hair on the beach and we just want to get them out of their element. So one of the biggest things that I told them, you have to wake up early and we took them all to church. Now, a lot of people in my company don't believe the same thing. It's fine. I just said, let's go to church together. We're all together. We roll in there Well, I'm praising, right? And you know, when you're praising at church, not everyone does, but I raise my hands. And so I raised my hands. I had my hands up. And as I had my hands up, God just took my hands and said, put them on the back of your head. Well, I put them on the back of my head locked together. And then he told me after that, he said, put your hands behind your back. So I ended the song with my hands behind my back. And then he revealed to me that that's the way our journey needs to be. Number one is that we put our hands up, meaning that we surrender. We say, God, I'm surrender. That's what a cop would do if they arrested you. They say, put your hands up. And then they, once they say, put your hands up, then they say, put your hands behind your head. And I looked into my friend who works at the LAPD and I asked him, why do they put your hands behind your head? He said, because you give them permission to search. So God says, first, I want you to surrender to me. Second, I want hands on your head, locked behind your head. And that will give me the permission to search you, search your purpose, search your being, search every single thing in your life, your finances. Think about it in the six pillars aspect. Right. And then what God did is he put my hands behind my back and, and he told me, first of all, you surrender, telling me that, that you're in. And second, your hands behind your head, which is going to be uh, a permission to search. And last is hands behind your back. 
and saying, I allow you to take me into custody. And once you allow God to take you into custody, you never can go back because now uh, being arrested, if you're in that cell, it's not like you have any rights. You have to do exactly what they told you to do. And that's where God wants us every single day. Oh, come on. <laughs> and yes. Patrice, Patrice, get this. Like, it's amazing because I had a whole different presentation set aside for Caper. And you know what God did? The night before, the night before he told me, this is what you're going to talk about. I had never spoke on that scenario before. This is, I mean, a huge you know, opportunity, obviously speaking at Caper. And he said, you know what? Just like my wife said, and my wife is awesome because she's sitting right here with me, Patrice. And she says, stick to the plan, but go with the flow. And God is going to take the simple and confound the wise. We may have all these plans. We may have all these ways and seven secrets to success. But I tell you, God is going to say, you know what? Today, I want you to go this way. Why? Because I'm God and I'm in control. And that's what he's done with my life. So the silly things that I do or the silly ways that we go about it, it's because we just allow him to lead us. And when he's leading us, I mean, we literally, it's not even when uh, the girl, I think it's Carrie Underwood says, Jesus, take the wheel. My dad says, not only take the wheel, Jesus, but let me get in the back seat because I ain't even trying to grab a hold of that bad boy. Yeah. Ooh. Come on. <laughs> I feel like shouting. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you, I, watch this. I tell you, this is going to be, I, I believe, and this is what God gave to me. This is going to be a huge prison ministry because I'm going to speak in prisons and I'm going to go and speak in jails because all the people who are in jail right now and have been convicted of crimes, they all have the DNA to be successful in their life because they all went through hands up, surrender, hands behind your head, allow me to search you and hands behind your back. Let me take you into custody. They've all gone through that. They have the DNA for success, but they just haven't applied it in the right place. And if you have been arrested, watch this. If you've been arrested and you're incarcerated, you can be successful at any single thing because you already know the DNA of what God's going to do to you anyway. Uh, come on, somebody. Listen, if there's anyone who is listening to this interview and you have any connections with any you know, prison systems, juvenile detention centers, anything anywhere in the country, I need you to reach out to Kelly because we, he definitely, this is definitely such a strong ministry. I have chills. I have chills right now. I almost feel like crying because I'm so excited to see this unfold. And as someone who comes from a family, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, full of folks who have been convicted for many of things, um, to think about them having an opportunity to hear someone like you and that being the thing, the catalyst that changes their lives. Like, dude, I, I'm, I'm so excited. I can't believe that was your first time delivering that message. I listened back to that video, Kelly. I'm serious. Maybe two or three times at this point since February is when I saw you. And all I can hear is myself too in the background saying, yes, yes. <laughs> I tell you I one of the biggest things, shut up because I'm <laughs> what, one of the biggest things for me and I have you, sometimes you don't realize how you affect people. The biggest moment of that day was when I walked out from behind the stage, I came and I sat with my daughter. I had seen you a couple of times that day, but I looked over and I looked over and you just simply gave me a thumbs up. And when you gave me that thumbs up, I want you to understand that like you to in my life, that thumbs up made everything okay. And a lot of times people don't realize that a simple thumbs up from someone who they admire, like I admire you, that can make their whole day and can push them to a whole different level. And we don't realize sometimes how much that thumbs up. So I thank you for that. Man, if I could have ran and hugged you in Brooklyn, I would have done it. I just had to sit in my seat. No, that it was it was incredible. You are such a blessing. You are such a blessing. Oh, okay. I, you know, I could talk to you all day, but I'm going to see you in a few weeks and we'll chat. Okay. Yes. <laughs> but so, what we normally do here is we wrap up with these redefining wealth rapid wisdom questions. And so, I'm going to ask you a few things, and I just want you to tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. okay? All right. The first one is: How do you define success? Doing God's will. Come on. Yes. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Breathe, drink water, and pray. Really? 
That's that's four. That's four. But let's call it drink water one word. That's what my dad told me every single day of my life. And I tell you, if you simply, if any decision that you have, if you count to 10 and you breathe, you will make a better decision. If you drink water, you will not get kidney stones, which I got. And it's the worst pain in the whole entire world. And you will keep your body hydrated. We're made up 75% water and that's what you need. And if you pray, it's not that you won't be successful if you don't pray, but if you pray, you'll never understand how much blessing can come to you from what God has for you. Mm. Wow. I have never, you are the first, you are the first, especially to include drink water in your, okay. One book that has redefined how you see wealth. Proverbs. Man, you're really trying to be my best friend. I'm telling you, Patrice, you read one proverb for the corresponding day. There's 31 proverbs. There's 31 days in a month. You read one proverb for every day. You will never have another financial challenge. Kelly, can I tell you something? That's what I did for about four or five years straight. Every month for four or five years, I read a chapter of proverbs a day with the corresponding month with the corresponding day in the month. That's why you're so gangster, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's why the world needs to hear your message. And actually, I'm going to get back on that. That's how I started my blog. When I first started blogging, this is in 2009. This is the day after I had gotten off the floor, bawling and snotting and crying and asking God, why me? Why did I lose everything? Like, what did I do? I've been a good person. I've treated people well. I've operated in integrity. Like, how did I get to this point? of going from a seven-figure business to scraping up change. And first of all, when the Holy Spirit said, get your Bible, what I landed on was Proverbs. That's what I had already started reading. And it was Proverbs seventeen sixteen. What good is money in the hands of a fool if they had no desire to seek wisdom? And what God showed me was that my role in this whole financial space was going to be to teach people that this journey is not about chasing money. It's about seeking wisdom and what better place to get wisdom from than Proverbs. Right. And so when I first thought of, okay, well, maybe I can start with a blog. I didn't even really know what blogging was. I had just kind of discovered it. And I'm like, well, all these people are talking about all this crazy stuff. I can talk about what I want to talk about. And I started by taking a proverb every week and breaking down the financial and business like principle from it and how to apply it to life. And that was what my blog was before it morphed into more just personal finance stuff. And then all the stuff that, you know, it's become, but that's what I started with. And that is the foundation. You are the first person to say that. And thank you so much for saying Proverbs. You just bless me. You just I'm getting back on it. I'm getting back on my daily. I do a lot of devotionals and I read my word every day, but going back to that fundamental place, like, man, that was a reset for me. And I appreciate you. Yeah, man, you all right. Okay. Here's the last one. (laughs) You're going to say your full name in the first blank. So my name is, and then for me, the truth about wealth is, and whatever that is for you. So my name is Kelly Cardenas, and my truth about wealth is living God's purpose for my life. Mm, that's it. That's it. You are amazing, my friend. This is, this is when we say sexual chocolate. I'm out, right? <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Randy Watson, everybody. Randy Watson. <laughs> Yes, coming to America. You got to say something like sexual or chocolate or something. Say something else, not chocolate. Don't say the Like, let's get yeah. to, you know? But yes. no, I appreciate you so much. This has been absolutely phenomenal. You are so inspiring. And I am so grateful that we have just been introduced to one another and that, you know, we get to, we get to, change lives together and let our lives be changed by this work too. Like this is daily work. This is not Kelly and Patrice on the mountaintop by any means. I'm so glad I get to be on this journey with you. That's, you're incredible, man. You're incredible. Well, thank you for the opportunity. You are incredible and your message needs to be everywhere, every school, every kid. And I'm just super, super blessed and honored to be able to be on Okay, did I lie? Did I lie? 
Is he not absolutely amazing? You understand now why I had to move this episode up. I get chills still listening just to the way he speaks about life. The guy is incredible. If he is ever in your area, go find him, go sit around him, go listen to him speak. There were so many other gems from me hearing him speak that I really wanted to talk about. We just didn't have the time, but oh my gosh, this guy is incredible. I will never forget hands up, hands behind your head, (laughs) right? Hands behind your back. That alone, the way I feel about surrendering, you guys know, go back and listen to You Can Be Selective with Surrender. The way I feel about how learning to surrender has truly just taken my life to new heights and new levels. When I heard that, I'm telling you, it was phenomenal. If you need to hear this again, go back, listen once, listen twice, listen three times or as often as you need, but get this in your spirit. This guy is phenomenal. Kelly, I thank you so much, brother. This this was really um, something special. This episode means a lot to me. One of the things that I keep forgetting to tell you guys, we talked a little bit about this in the episode with setting the vibe, the tone. When I'm getting ready to record or just work in my office period, I always light candles. And so you may have heard this before, but I buy candles by the dozen, literally. And there is a company based in LA, Intuition LA, actually, where I've been buying my candles for like the last year plus. And I finally got together with the owner of that boutique and she helped me develop my own candle line. Like that's how much I burn candles. She helped me figure out my scent, like what I really enjoy, what gives me peace, what puts me in the mood to really work, what helps me set the atmosphere. And we together collaborated on Peace by Patrice Washington. So I have my own candles. I really made them for myself first. And then we talked about the fact that there may be some people who listen to the podcast who really enjoy the vibe and you, you know, just to make it a part of your thing, you might want to light a candle in your office or in whatever space where you really enjoy the podcast. And so we made a limited amount. The majority of them are for me. (laughs) I'm not going to lie, but we made a limited amount and you can get a candle made by me literally going back and forth on different scents that I enjoy and mixing and It was just such a great process, but we got to something that I really enjoy, my family enjoys. And so you can get one, peacebypatrice.com. Pick up your candle at peacebypatrice.com. We'll see how it goes when they're gone, guys. They'll probably just be gone until I make more for my own house. Um, And then I'll let you know, or you can give me your feedback and... We'll take it from there, but check out my candles, peacebypatrice.com. Make sure that you reach out to Kelly Cardenas. Let this guy know how amazing he is. I always tell you that folks cannot hear it enough. When they invest their time in doing interviews like this, it's, you know, that most people are doing it for free. So it's always really great to get feedback and know that you said something that truly blessed someone. And this is two weeks in a row for guys. I gave you amazing men. First Tim Story, now Kelly Cardenas. Don't say I never did anything for you. (laughs) I sure have. But until next time, guys, remember, all I want to do is help you live your life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later. (laughs) 